And just again, special welcome to all of you here in person and a special shout out and welcome to those who are joining us at Church Online. Uh, I love our Church Online community. We have a number of amazing volunteers who've been serving for the past 20 months <laughs> online, on the internet, doing ministry in ways to bring the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of Jesus uh, into our city, um, to our nation and around the world. We have truly become a global ministry during this pandemic. And I just want to give a special shout out. She's going to hate me for doing this, but thank you, Megan, for all of your service on Church Online. You're amazing. No, you're looking for her. She's not here. She's online. She's serving online. She's blessing people online this morning. And so thank you, Megan, for serving in that kind of capacity. It really makes a difference in so many people's lives. Uh, today, as I said, we're kicking off our Advent series. And the theme that I chose this year for Advent which is the four weeks leading up to Christmas Eve, is the season of anticipation. Now, this word anticipation for me um, is actually, I'm experiencing it in a new way that I've never experienced it before. You see, my wife, Danielle, and I, we're at this funny stage of life where we're about to become empty nesters. Now, those of you who have been empty nesters, or your kids have moved out years ago, like you've figured out this routine, like you're partying now, and your kids' rooms have been turned into your hobby room and your sports room and your TV den and all of those things, you've navigated this already. Those of you with little children right now, you're going to lean into them and you're going to hug them and you're going to squeeze them a little tighter. You'll never leave me! Okay, we're going through this right now. Our first child moved away. <laughs> for university this year. And she was the driver in our house when it came to Christmas. Samantha was the one who said, okay, it's November 1st. When are we putting the decorations up? You know, when are you getting up on the roof, dad, to put the lights up? Okay, dad, when are you doing this? Okay, mom, when are we going to start buying all the food we like? She was the driving force to bring Christmas spirit into our home. And now she's off at university. So what was the date yesterday, no, end of November? And I'm like, I better get up on the roof before it's covered with snow. I better, well, we haven't done nothing yet. And so now there's this different feeling in the house. And there's this anticipation for when Sam returns. <laughs> now, no offense to my 20-year-old who's still in my house. But anyway, that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time, right? But there's this sense of anticipation. And then, honestly, there's a sense of fear. Well, what if Sam misses her train? What if something comes up at school and she needs to deal with school stuff instead of coming home? Or worst case scenario, and you parents get this, what if the boyfriend's family comes first? <laughs> and she goes there instead. Ah, this is a crazy feeling of anticipation. <laughs> And for me, that, this is what Christmas is all about, right? We do so many things this time of year that are very traditional. It's the time of year when it feels like the entire world becomes Christian for four weeks. 
because we're all singing Christmas carols in the mall while we're shopping, while we're chewing out and blasting and yelling at the 15-year-old girl who's not serving us fast enough, and then we go out and we sing, go tell it on the mountain, you know, and all of these things that we deal with in this time of year. And, and that's why that song that we just sung, you know, that uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. For me, the feel of that song just captures the heart of Christmas in such a powerful way. Because you and I, as followers of Jesus, live in a tension. We live in the tension that we believe what the Bible teaches us. That the full presence of the glory of God is available right now in the world because of the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The full glory of the kingdom of God is available right now. However, there's still death. There's still pain. There's still suffering. There is still anticipation for when the fulfillment of the kingdom of God is at last finally completed. When Jesus returns in glory as conqueror, as king of kings, when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It won't just be for four weeks singing Christmas carols. It will be for all eternity. And so we live in a tension of this anticipation. We rejoice. We celebrate. We have parties. We give gifts in remembrance of the birth of Jesus. But we actually long for something greater. We anticipate something greater. And that's what Advent is about. This hope that is to come. The Apostle Paul writes about this hope. He writes this to one of his young protégés named Titus. Titus is a young pastor that Paul invested in, poured his life into, and equipped to go off and start churches. And he says these words here in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11, to encourage this leader, to encourage this leader's church. He says in verse 11 of chapter 2, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait. While we wait. We wait for the blessed hope. What is that blessed hope that we wait for? Paul tells us the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So the big idea that I want us to unpack together today as we look at some very familiar Christmas story verses is that Paul tells the church, Paul tells you that hope has come. Hope has come and hope will come again. Hope has come, but hope will come again. 
I don't know about you, but over the last 20 months, I have put my hope in a lot of things. <laughs> How many of you could kind of relate to this over the past 20 months? Well, if we just get to this benchmark, or if we just get to this, or if this, this decision's made, or just this number of vaccines, or just this, or just this, or just this. How many of you are exhausted of the just this? If just one more benchmark gets hit, then I'll have hope. <laughs> right? There's such a challenge that you and I face as we wait. <laughs> The question that I've been asking myself is, where am I putting my hope? Is my life going to be perfect when Sam comes back home from university? Those of you who've gone through this before are mocking me because you know it's not going to be. <laughs> is if I get the perfect Christmas gift that I don't want to ask for because people should know me by now. My wife should know what I like and she should just get it without me having to tell her this is what I want. If that present shows up under the tree, will I now have hope? Like there's so many things that we can put our hope into. And for me, the reminder this Christmas season is our hope as followers of Jesus has to be firmly planted in the person of Jesus Christ is he is the hope that has come and he is the hope that will come again. What I want us to do is I want us to look at the early chapter. So chapter one of Matthew's gospel. And I want to look at some these verses that show us the story of Joseph. Joseph is the man who God chose to raise the savior of the world. Men, how many of you would like that pressure on your shoulders? <laughs> that God is going to entrust into your care. The savior of all humanity. No big deal. Skank. Ready to rise up to the challenge, men, <laughs> to raise the Savior of the world, <laughs> right? We read about this man, Joseph, who loved the Lord and who put his hope into what God promised him. So let's just kind of read a little bit about Joseph. And my hope is men, women, boys and girls, all of us, will be able to relate to what Joseph had to go through to help us focus our hope where our hope should be in the person of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read here um, from Matthew chapter 1. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Uh, verses, I'm going to start in verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public di disgrace, he had in mind to divorce him quietly. You see, what we see just in these short verses, we get a picture of who this man Joseph is. Right, as we study the Old Testament and learn about the righteousness of the people of Israel. Well, what did that mean? 
What does it mean to be a righteous Jewish person in this context, in this timeline that Joseph found himself in? Did it mean that Joseph was perfect? Did it mean that Joseph was without sin? Did it mean that Joseph, every decision Joseph made was perfect and righteous and he never made a mistake? Of course not. It's not what it means. What it means was that his heart was in the right place. His heart was pointed to the teachings of his God. To follow the decrees and the traditions of his God in order to be a blessing within his community. You see, that's what God called the people of Israel to be. He called them to be a group of people set apart to look behave, think, worship, everything that they did in their lives looked different than the rest of the world. Not so that they could raise their nose and snub all the Gentiles and all the pagans and all of that. Look how holy and righteous we are, even though that's what they did a lot of the time. But the call on their life was to live righteous, set-apart, holy lives in order to bring God's blessing to all of humanity. And that's what God promised to Abraham generations before Joseph was even born. That through you, the entire world is going to be blessed. Because a Messiah is going to come from your people. And so that's what it means that Joseph is this righteous man. He's got this desire to be obedient to the teachings of God. And so Joseph goes through the wedding traditions of his day where he becomes legally bound to marry. And in their engagement, there's a legal contract now between these two families. And Joseph is not going to be with his wife. They're not going to be married. They're not going to come together physically the way husbands and wives do um, until a year later. And so Joseph, like any other guy who wants to follow God, he's probably excited to have a godly marriage, to follow the commands of God, to be fruitful and multiply. He's probably picturing 13 little Jewish rugrats riding around and, you know, and and he can mentor and guide in his business and that he can bless his community with And that he can dedicate his firstborn into the service of the Lord. He's got all these great plans for his family. Just like I have all these great plans for Christmas with my family. Just like you have all of these great plans for your family. Right? We put hope in earthly things around us. And then Joseph experiences a crisis where his fiance, the woman that he's committed to legally, religiously, as part of their covenant community before God, is pregnant. And it's, again, it's one of those things, I think culturally we don't get it. We don't get this. Because... 
married, not married, baby, no baby, like all of these things. Like we're just so progressive now when it comes to sexual ethics and reproduction and babies and all of these things. Like we're just so way over here culturally now to understand the concept of your fiance pregnant back 2000 years ago in this context. For Mary, first and foremost, it's a death sentence for her. Death sentence. Like this is this could get her executed. Okay? Which we can't like what? We just can't grasp that. But then also for Joseph, his reputation is on the line. His business, his future, all of his hope. And he's stuck in this dilemma of I could quietly divorce her, or I could turn her over to the mob. And so what does he do? What does a godly man do in this situation? Like he's stuck between these two different commandments, right? This commandment of thou shalt not commit adultery and the adulterer should be brought out of the city gates and stones should be thrown at this person. And then the commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. They kind of seem pretty extreme. Kill him. If you sinned, should you be killed? Love them as yourself. He's in this tension, and he finds himself, I would imagine, the text doesn't say this, but I could picture Joseph being a man with very little hope in this moment. What have you put your hope in that has let you down? Maybe you put your hope in a relationship that let you down. Maybe you put your hope in a career that has let you down. Maybe you put your hope in finances and you invested all this money thinking, I'm, I'm retiring at 46. Woo-hoo! And then the economy tanked. And now you're working until you're 82. <laughs> Where have you put your hope? And that hope This earthly hope has let you down. At some point in all of our lives, it happens to all of us that we put our hope in the wrong thing. And so let's just kind of look this. So this is kind of this first thing that we see from 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 Joseph, that we can easily put our hope into earthly earthly things, things. But then we continue reading here in Matthew chapter uh, uh, chapter one, verse 20. So it says, after he had considered this, so Joseph is trying to figure out what he should do. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, just when it looks like Joseph has no hope, that's when God steps in. Again, and, I, and as a pastor, I, I hear so many people's stories where it just seems like that's just the way it seems like God works. 
When we as human beings thinking we can figure it all out, thinking we can do this, thinking that we can manage, thinking that we can do this in our own ability, our own strength, our own education, our own know-how, or just our own sheer act of will to will it into existence. (laughs) It's when we finally get to the place of no hope (laughs) that God steps in. That's been my personal experience. When I think I can do this, I can lead, I can figure out how to do ministry in a worldwide pandemic. I know what to do. I've read all the books. I went to seminary. Seminary did not prepare us for a worldwide pandemic in any way whatsoever. Apart from one thing. To remember, nothing depends on you. It all depends on God showing up. And that's what happens here in Joseph. Joseph's life, God shows up. And the angel that shows up to Joseph doesn't say, I'm going to fix the situation. Doesn't say, you're going to be respected in your community. He doesn't say, your career is going to take off. He doesn't say that you're going to make a million dollars or all of these things. The angel of the Lord reminds Joseph where his hope should lie. That God is going to save people from their sin. See, that is the most important thing on the planet. It is. And we say this as followers of Jesus, but we live lives that we don't necessarily put this as the most important thing in the planet. See, we are called as followers of Jesus to bring a message That hope has come, and hope will come again. And the hope that we proclaim is that God will bring you hope when he deals with your sin. When he sets you free from the power of sin and death in your life. Regardless of the career. Regardless of the education, regardless of the bank account, regardless of all the earthly things that are good and are used by God as his blessings. But when we put our hope in those things first, more than the message of God's hope for the world, we put our hope in the wrong thing. We need to put our hope in God's hope that he will save his people from their sin. And we trust that message, that ultimate act of love that God did of pouring out his love on all of humanity. It begins in a dream with this man that he can trust what God is doing. So then we can see how Matthew, uh, sorry, how Matthew records this, how Joseph responds in verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name of Jesus. You see, for me, Advent, the Advent season, reminds me of where should I place my hope. I mean, I'm looking forward to when my kid comes home. I really am. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to the meals and the parties and the presents and the travel. I love Christmas. 
I love, I'm the guy who starts playing Christmas music. I got like my Glee Christmas album. I still listen to the Glee Christmas album. I'm dating myself here, okay? I like my Harry Connick Jr. Christmas album. I like my Michael Bublé Christmas album. I like that stuff is playing on my Spotify list while I'm writing sermons. Love Christmas. But the hope, the hope is not in all the earthly things around this time of year. The hope is that God has dealt with my sin. You see, because, because I came to faith as an adult, um, I know exactly what I was saved from. Even though everyone knew I was this nice guy, this good businessman that treated people fairly, everyone liked me. I knew what my heart was really like. I knew where my thoughts were about certain people, certain people in my office, certain people in my family, certain people in my hobby groups. And I was really honest. Kevin Presso was not a nice man. Kevin Presso had a lot of negativity and anger and frustration and pride and lust. He was not a nice guy, but I faked it. Everyone thought I was amazing. I think even with Danielle, when she started dating me, I even faked it to her of how nice I was. Okay. But praise be to God that God dealt with my sin. Not by being this religious man of keeping all these traditions and all of these regulations, but because Jesus was born of a virgin girl 2,000 years ago. And when he was born, he was the king of all creation, was put into a manger where animals ate. And then he lived a sinless life. And then he went to a cross and he died for who Kevin Presso really was. <laughs> because he loved me. <laughs> Just like he loves you. <laughs> and that is the hope of where we put our hope. <laughs> and in that salvation that you and I have received, in that salvation of dealing with our sin that you and I have received, we see these, these words here again in, in Titus, the letter from Titus, or the letter, sorry, to Titus, where we wait. We wait in this season. And, and not only do we wait, but we learn to say no to the ungodly things of this world. And it's not always easy to say no, because ungodly things, again, if we're really honest before one another, man, ungodly things, oh, they seem so fun. <laughs> and it's a good time for a little while. <laughs> and then because that's where we put our hope, then we suffer the pain and the hardship and the anguish of putting our hope in things that are not the way God wants us to live. We learn to put away worldly passion there is nothing wrong with wanting a great career. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting a big bank account. Nothing wrong with that. But if it's where your hope is, it's going to let you down eventually. So we have to learn 
We learn to put away worldly passions. We have to learn to live self-controlled. That's a big one for me. Why is my wife laughing? Because she knows the real me. She knows Kevin by his default. When Kevin has a bad day, just go to bestbuy.com and buy something really cool. <laughs> or when Kevin has a, a you know, bad day, buy something from Best Buy. Or Kevin has a great day, buy something from Best Buy. Basically, any day, something from Best Buy would be awesome. <laughs> okay? And it takes self-control. Say, do I really need an 80-inch TV? Yeah, it's for Bible study, just so you know. So if you come to my house, my big screen TV, it's for Bible study, okay? But um, we learn this. We learn godly lives in this present age when we put our hope in Jesus, that he has saved us from our sin. He has brought us hope And as Paul reminds us, while we wait, while we live in this crazy, messed up, angry, judgmental, hypocritical world that we live in, that the hope is coming. And I don't know when. Don't ask me. Is this the mark of the beast? Is this the end times? I don't know. And guess what? Nobody does. But all we do know is that Jesus will return again in glory, where death will be defeated, where sin will be no more, where there will be no more suffering, no more hunger, no more cancer, no more pandemics, no more pain, no more tears. And that is where our hope lies. That's why we light a candle. It's a simple symbol to remind us of the hope that we have in the return of Jesus. So as we kick off this Christmas season, you're about to step in, like I'm about to step in into that busy time of the year, the most wonderful time of year, the busiest time of year. You got kids' activities at school. Are they open this year? I don't know. They might be open. They might be closed. They might change their mind tomorrow on all of this stuff. Who knows what's going to happen? I love the new name of the new variant, Omicron. Sounds like we need Optimus Prime to deal with this, okay? That's just me geeking out for a moment. You thought it too. It wasn't just me. Omicron. Really? Anyways, there's so many things to get distracted and confused by this year. Put your hope in Jesus. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're joining us online and you have never done that. You have put your hope in earthly things. And you know they've let you down. They've let you down before. They're going to let you down again. But the Bible promises us that Jesus will never let us down because when he pays for your sin, it's done, done, done. You couldn't earn your salvation, and that's why you can't lose your salvation. (laughs) Once you are forgiven of your sin, you are forgiven. And you can receive that just right where you are, online or here in the room. Just pray in your own heart, God, forgive me, a sinner. Come into my life and make me new. And if you pray that online, there's a little button that shows up. Please click that. We'd love to connect with you. If you pray that here in person, please tell me after the service. I'd love to celebrate with you. But that is where our hope lies. Our hope lies in what Jesus has done 
and what Jesus will do. Because hope has come. And hope will come again. We just need to be patient and wait. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and thank you for this Christmas season where we can remember the hope that we have in Christ. That it wasn't ourselves who saved us from our sin. That it was truly a merciful, loving gift from God. That he would come, that God himself, God the Son, second part of the Trinity, would leave his throne in heaven and make his dwelling among us. And he would point us back to the way to the kingdom of God. That is by turning to him, believing in him, putting our hope in him. And so, Father, for each and every one of us, whatever we are anticipating this Christmas season, God, I pray that we would set aside those earthly, worldly anticipations and as a family, as individuals, as a church, just long for more of Jesus in our lives. To long for his presence in our home. To long to hear his voice as we pray to experience his mercy, to feel a touch of his healing power, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually. God, show up in this season. We put our hope in you. And as we continue to worship, speak to each of our hearts, Lord. Draw us closer into your presence because our hope is in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.